Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a Geek Network special interview. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I am joined by my co-host uh, tonight, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. But first, I want to welcome our special guest, uh, comic book writer extraordinaire, and uh, someone I'm very looking forward to talk to, uh, Kelly Thompson. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi. Well, we're more than happy to have you, trust me. Uh, both myself and my co-host, Josue, are big fans of your work, and I know there's definitely some things he's going to want to talk about. But um, first, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> well, he, yeah, you'll see. <laughs> Positive stuff, I promise. So. <laughs> um, but as always, we get to know our guests um, just by asking a few quick questions about um, just the kind of forms of media we consume. That's what our shows are based on on the Geek Network. So in the spirit of our first show, which is called Binge Watching, I just want to know, uh, probably you've been spending a lot of time at home. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Um, we've been keeping up with Better Call Saul and Killing Eve. Uh, we haven't started Homeland yet, it's, so it's all built up over there on our DVR. Uh, <laughs> we just started watching and watched in one shot the first six episodes of the new Solar Opposites on Hulu. Oh, um, yeah. I tried it. Very funny and out there, as you would expect from Rick and Morty people. Um, devs, we plowed through. We loved that. Um, my partner liked the ending better than I did, but it was very, very good. I urge people to check it out. Uh, we also watch plenty of trash. Like I feel like Top Chef is like top level trash. It's like oh, totally still reality show, but you know it's a high level competition show. It's very well done. So oh I've yeah, some Top Chef. We also love. I don't know why because my partner doesn't watch any reality TV except for a few competition shows here and there, like Top Chef. Mm-hmm. We both love the Below Deck series, like. All in I've the seen class. trailers. I do not know what the magic of it is, but <laughs> we are. There's now three different versions of it. There's Below Deck Sailing, Below Deck Flagship Version, and Below Deck Mediterranean, and we're like all in on all of them. <laughs> it's like not that surprising for me because I watch some trash, but he is very discerning, and like he loves it, like. Monday night comes around and he's like, "Oh, we're we gonna watch Below Deck," and I'm it's like, "What time again? Who are, <laughs> Who are you? What happened? <laughs> you have That's better awesome. taste than this." Um, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I know. If if you ever partake of the drugs, a perfect comedy. Honestly, whether you partake of any drugs, uh, the Dave Show on Hulu. Oh, yes. Oh man, we've been we've been aching for good comedies since we've been in quarantine, and everyone I know has. And man, that one with a bullet, very funny. Yeah, very funny. Dave, Dave was a, a refreshing surprise because I was very skeptical when it, when it was first announced, uh, mostly so because I, I do like the guy's the guy and, and his career, but I feel like he hasn't had enough music to then start having his own show. But the yeah. first season was fantastic. It was incredible. That last episode. The first half of that last episode, I won't spoil it, but <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I mean, this is funny. I get it. It's really out there. Like, I get what they're doing, but this is the least I've laughed in the whole season. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm going to be done with this. But man, the second half of that episode, with that, like, in studio stuff, oh, yes. oh <laughs> just amazing. I just I wanted to go back and rewatch it. It was so good. Uh, what um, was your opinion on Gata? 
Um, I mean, I thought he was great. Like, <laughs> is he what? What am I missing? No, Hosway <laughs> loves him. So yeah. no, no, he's he feels he's the MVP of the series. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm there with you. I'm there with you. I I think I think one of the great things about that Dave show, and listen, it's not going to be for everyone. It definitely mm-hmm. skirts the line of comedy is a very salt to taste. Some people are very easily offended. Some people have a Mm -hmm. higher tolerance for that. Like, you know, everyone's got their sort of sweet spot. Dave is certainly not going to please everyone. Um, but does any comedy that's really good, please everyone. Of course. Right. Um, (laughs) so, but, uh, I thought that they did a really fantastic job of, of blending some like actual serious crap in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, the beta episode being, maybe the best example of that. Yeah. Um, really great stuff. Like what a, what a way to deal with like a serious issue that people should talk about, but in like a really organic, totally humorous way. I was very impressed. Yeah. Not totally. Snuck up on us. (laughs) And boy, did I need it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm telling you, we're pinning all our hopes on this Issa Rae, uh, Kumail Najgani comedy that's coming out on the 22nd. Oh, yes. It's not fair. It's not fair how much pressure we're putting on it. We're like, <laughs> you better be good just looking at it. Like, we're waiting. <laughs> do, you, do you watch Insecure? <laughs> we do. Our I love Insecure. In and out. Insecure is incredible. It's I love yeah. it. I think this season, um, I mean, the first season was really good, you know, because you're first figuring it out, like what you're about and what your tone is going to be. And so... Mm. I always try to grade on a sort of a curve there, but I think this has been the best season really. Just really- I love it. And watching a friendship fall apart in real time is just yeah. heartbreaking. <laughs> like well, and just and the way they repl- the way they approach sex scenes, mm-hmm. the way they are sort of unapologetic about it. it. It feels very real. It feels like a side of relationships in life we don't always get to see. Uh, I think Issa Rae has really like come into her own. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Kelly, whatever that actress's name is, steals every. So funny. <laughs> I she killed me. I actually didn't like the accent in the last episode, not because it wasn't hilarious for a minute, but just because it was like taking away from her usual shtick, which is so good. I was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 we could do this for a minute, but I want her back, like exactly <laughs> how she should be. She's amazing. And awesome. brother, oh, love the brother. He's, He's so, great. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh and yeah just to touch on uh you mentioned top chef in my opinion every cooking show is a premiere show i will watch anything i like love every cooking show like I, so I no shame go there with you but let's be real we got to put some limits on this there are some <laughs> real bad baking shows out there where they put them <laughs> under impossible constraints so that it's impossible for them to put out anything but trash which just makes me mad oh like nailed it <laughs> And also, I don't like any of the kids' competition shows. I know. I, it's just too much. Don't do that to these children. <laughs> yeah, and, and most of those, like, I know MasterChef Junior, the first season, was a bunch of children actors. Oh. Like, like they were announcing, they're like, and from, you know, Laguna Beach, California, and they're all from California. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> and then they all start popping up in movies. I'm like, they're child actors. I was like, ah, that was really ripped rough. off. Yeah. So, <laughs> but also, I'll I'll only hate watch Chopped, and I can only go a few episodes before I get real mad. I'm off in a fury. Yeah, I just <laughs> cooking shows. No matter what, I love them. The I, if you haven't seen it, if you like cooking shows, I highly recommend the Chef Show with John Favreau. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. We love it. I love it. It's yeah. so good. Great. So, Very anyways, good. we're going to move on because we got a lot more to talk about. I could oh, talk about TV all day. So, isn't this just a show about TV shows? That's what I can talk about. <laughs> you can join us for binge watching. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so, our um, our second show, I'm going to kick it over to my co host here, Josue, who's going to tell you about it a bit. Hi, Josue here. Super excited to get to know you more, Kelly. Um, so, second show we have is respawn ready so we'd like to know if you've been playing any video games or just tabletop games so no on tabletop games although i don't know if it qualifies we've done a couple fun like zoom meetings with friends where we share a screen and we play things like quiplash and stuff we've been doing that oh yeah we've been doing that a little bit to try and like not kill each other in our house uh (laughs) But um, mostly this is a really uninteresting because I am like the one person on earth not playing Animal Crossing. Oh, me too. The funny thing was, I actually, I was like, all right, it's enough. <laughs> I can't hear people talking about it anymore. So I was like, are they all playing on Switch? Am I like that out of the loop? And so I like downloaded Animal Crossing to my phone thinking <laughs> I'll try it there. And if it's any good, if I like it, maybe I'll try to hunt down a Switch, like go out into the world and hunt and kill for a switch <laughs> and um i hated it so I'm not like, um, in fairness i don't know that what i was playing is sort of accurate to what other people are playing it's but, it's uh, a different game completely i did not get take to it at all i was like wait i just have to do chores i mean there's nothing <laughs> I mean, we're playing the right way i mean that's one way to look at it <laughs> i don't need any more chores that said, my favorite game right now is a decorating game. So I don't know what kind of loser I am, but uh, we just decorate these rooms. And I've spent like $100 on it this weekend because I the <laughs> fancy Japanese wallpapers and you got to unlock them. And, you know, so. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> the, the thing I've actually been playing the most is something I can't talk about because I'm doing, I'm doing a little bit of um, freelance games writing. And so I can't talk about it. But Ooh, okay. So that I could do some writing work, and it's been really fun. Um, if you hear me talking about it in a few months when the game's out, check it out because it's a really cool game. Okay. Oh, we'll definitely keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, dope. Uh, then we have my show. It's the Infinite Playlist. Um, we'd like to know what you what you've been jamming to. Uh, that's a little tricky because almost all my music. I'm sorry to say, unless my partner is DJing it from the other room, in which case I get a nice mix. Almost all the music I listen to these days is um, our playlists for work. And that doesn't mean they're not enjoyable. It just means it varies wildly what I'm listening to based on am I trying to write a Deadpool comic or am I mm-hmm. trying to rewrite Sabrina? Like those have very different playlists. So it's been a real hodgepodge in that way. Um, I will say I've been definitely much like the TV and movies. I've been reaching for uplifting a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of us have been um any sort of dark stuff and i'm like nope <laughs> <laughs> we have enough of this <laughs> yeah, can't take it we're all balancing on a head of a pin here let's not let's not have the wind blow please exactly no oh, i'm at that point i i really don't mind like with uh, over at that show an infinite playlist that's kind of what we strive to do we are creating an infinite playlist and with all of our different tastes like that's basically what we kind of get it's just a random <laughs> mix of everything that's cool that's cool yeah um, I mean, if you have like a top favorite single name like a single name artist we'd love to have like a favorite song of yours from them um 
I listen to a lot of Daft Punk um, when I'm writing. That makes it onto my playlist a lot, um, mm. in part because it's got a lot of energy and also I'm not gifted enough to sing to that, and that's a good thing. <laughs> um, things with a heavy beat and not great lyrics for me to sing to is tends to be my go-to. Um, Daft Punk, the Alive album, is my favorite. Um, mm. technology. Oh, 97 or 2007? Yeah, 2007. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 97 is like way more house, but yeah, 2007 is just perfect. It's a shame that they didn't do it again for 2017. Yeah. To make that trilogy and then to just have the perfect sound and like being, anyway, that's a whole other rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Um, so that brings us to our last question uh, for the show that I host every week. Uh, we have issues. Uh, this is our show about uh, everything literary, not just comics. Uh, we discuss novels, anything you might be reading, uh, web comics even. So I want to know, what have you been reading lately? Um, mostly for work, I'm sorry to say. Mm-hmm. That's a really unfun answer, but you know, most of my work these days is research. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still in love with Something is Killing the Children. Oh, um, so great. Incredible. I think I'm one issue behind, maybe, but it's really incredible. Um Mostly everything else I'm reading is just Marvel stuff, which, you mm-hmm. know, is sort of salt to taste. Like some of it I love and some of it I love less. Um, but that's sort of how it goes with everything. I just started a book called um, The Empress of Salt and Fortune, um, which I have no idea how to say the woman's name. The last <laughs> Vo, V-O, but I will absolutely butcher her first name if I say it. Anyway, uh, I just started it. It's a short novel. Um, and I finished a little while ago, I finished, um, Circe by Madeline Miller, which was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. I'm sorry. It's, it's always a boring question. I feel like I should have a great reading list, but instead I'm like, no, no, I'm just researching this. <laughs> well, when, when you work in it, like you don't want to make your free time about your work as well. So it's hard to like really set aside free time to enjoy writing when you work in writing like you got to kind of distance yourself sometimes well that's what i was going to say about as i was answering this question i sort of felt very depressed by my answer (laughs) because even though that's a technique creating those playlists that has really helped me as part of my work process and i wouldn't change it for anything Mm -hmm. like i could hear the sound of me even turning something as pure as listening to music into a way to work. And that's a little sad, I think. (laughs) No, I understand. And we, we, a lot of the writers we've spoken with have had similar like uh, messages in that um, they have specific music. The music they listen to most is what they listen to when they work. And a lot of it's similar to what you said, not super vocal or lyrically diverse, you know, like it's simple. It's something you can, you can put on the background and if it's a song you really love and you love the lyrics to, you're not going to write. You're going to sing along to it. Yep. So. Why well, I'm never, I can never listen to podcasts and it depresses the hell out of me because mm. I start yeah. listening to them and it doesn't matter how good they are or how bad they are. I just, I start listening and one of two things happens. Sorry. Someone is <laughs> real. Fix your car, man. It's not cool. Uh, <laughs> So I, uh, you know, one of two things happens. I either stop working and I realize at some point I'm just listening to the podcast mm-hmm. or I keep 
backtracking over and over again because I realize I've stopped listening and I haven't heard the last 10 minutes. I actually find that more fascinating, like that you could plow through and just not even be hearing it anymore. But either way, it doesn't get podcasts listened to and it's very frustrating for me because I love them. Yeah, same. Obviously, we love podcasts here. So, <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's difficult because I do have an office job and sitting there and trying to type and listen to a podcast is impossible. <laughs> so, um, All right. Awesome. Well, I want to start talking about you and your career because a lot of good stuff we want to talk about. Um, obviously, you've worked a lot for Marvel, but I want to I save that for next because one thing that jumped out at me, kind of a pattern, was you pretty much worked on my childhood for the most part. Um, <laughs> so we got, we got Jim and the Holograms. Um, we got Ghostbusters. We got Power Rangers. We got Nancy Drew. All of those were major parts of my... Oh, and Sabrina. So, like, that's awesome that you got an opportunity to, like, to, to play in all those universes. Yeah. Um, and so, like, which of these was, like, significant to you when you were younger, specifically, do you think? Um, I think the biggest significance of all the stuff I've done is probably the X-Men stuff and especially mm. the Rogue and Gambit stuff, but... Oh, yeah. The X-Men stuff. I mean... Uh, Archie comics were really important to me, and thus mm -hmm. um, Sabrina was part of that. Um, but I didn't really watch the 90s show. I think maybe I was like a little old for it or a little young for it, one of the two. Um, mm -hmm. So it was never like a big thing that I was into. Um, and Gem and the Holograms, I definitely watched it as a kid and liked it, cared about it. Um, but it's not a thing that followed me um, the way something like X-Men did, where I discovered yeah. X-Men and it sort of changed my life. And discovering the X-Men animated show helped me discover the X-Men comics, you know, helped me realize I wanted to write comics, you know, like really changed the path of my life. Gem wasn't like that. Gem was this thing where as a kid, like I really liked it. And it's not until later you go, Oh, you probably liked that because all the cartoons were designed for boys. And here was one that featured women all the time. So that's probably why you responded to it, you know, above everything else. And so <laughs> in retrospect, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I have a huge affection for ghostbusters, including the new, the new ghostbusters, which I thought was great despite all the mm -hmm. haters. Um, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, the first two movies aren't perfect either. I've got news for you. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I love that stuff. But, I, again, not sort of core to my identity the way the X-Men stuff certainly was. Gotcha. Yeah. I was an X-Men kid as well, so I can totally relate to what you're saying. Like, uh, that was my realm, if you will, a yeah. tease of Patton, Patton Oswalt reference. Like <laughs> that was the one I soaked myself into yeah. and, and, and just, yeah. So that's really great to hear. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about that a bit. Cause uh, I'm a big Gambit and Rogue fan. That was a great book. So um, I want to start with your, um, your first work in Marvel. I think it was the, the Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps mini, right? It was. Yeah. And you worked with our other favorite Kelly, Kelly Sue. You can't have two favorites. No, I'm just <laughs> Uh, yeah, she was incredible. She was incredible. Yeah. It was. Uh, I'm. I'm a big advocate of um, bringing young writers in that way, or new writers. I wasn't that young. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, even even when you don't come from another medium and maybe don't need the help. Like, I mean, I had sort of trained in comics. I wasn't necessarily a novelist or anything. So I 
gone to school to study comics. I knew how to do it, but it still was a huge advantage to have her because there are so many things like that you can just seeing how she does it, seeing how the machine works, seeing all of this stuff and sort of not being alone in that process. Uh, it was a great way to do your, to do my first book there. Um, and, and watching her work and sort of, you know, learning how she made it all come together. It, it was invaluable. Yeah, I definitely. Wish, I wish and do that more instead of sometimes I feel like writers get sort of thrown to the wolves. I, I know that's not what any publisher is trying to do, but you mm -hmm. know, we all live, eat, breathe, sleep comics. And so it's sort of, you forget sometimes that it's not necessarily a medium that comes naturally to someone who maybe was working outside of it. And, and sometimes that's a really hard um, hill to climb your first time out and, and you can really get sort of chopped up in the process. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, yeah, I, I've been seeing that more and more where you have like a, an established writer with an up and comer and then the up and comer tends to succeed coming out of something like that. Mm -hmm. We've interviewed a couple people like that. So that's really great to hear that that was a good experience. I assumed because every I've met Kelly Sue before and she seems like a sweetheart. So I assumed everything was great. Um, but she's yeah, great. she's great. We had a great bit where um, I was terrified because when she gave me the sort of rough outline for the end of the, for, for the whole thing, because she was doing the rough outline, the, this is what I want it to be about. These are our sort of overall themes or whatever. And it ends like this. And then I was supposed to like break it into four issues, like break it down, do the break. Mm. And uh, her, the ending was, and basically they all die. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I can't believe she's making me kill. But you have to do it. Carol and Carol <laughs> in my first round out, I got to kill them basically in issue four. And so then it came around when we were getting closer to doing four and she was looking at the in-depth breakdown. And she's like, yeah, I mean, that ending's just way too dark. She's like, I appreciate where you're going with this, Kelly, but, you know, we can't kill them. And I was like are you kidding me? You <laughs> like what? And Sana was Sana, our editor. She was like, yeah, uh, Kelly, that was you. And she was like, wow, I must've been in a really dark place. <laughs> I was like, nobody more relieved than me that we're making this a little more vague and hopeful, uh, ending. So it was pretty funny. Awesome. And then that actually brings me up to, um, another uh series and i know this is the one Josue is going to want to talk about um which is a force uh, which you, you also worked with another accomplished writer in this one with with uh, g willow wilson right but that was very different um mm -hmm. i mean i know that the without knowing the inner workings of that the way it's credited you would sort of just think it was the same thing like mm -hmm. for for the kelly sue um carol core book it was like she had the general idea and then I came and broke it down into the four issues and the beats. And then she and Sana came in and did some editing and were like, fix this, this, and this. And then I yeah. revised that. And then I went in and wrote the scripts and then Kelly Sue would, I don't want to say she rewrote them, but like she would come in and like sparkle them up and like put that Kelly Sue deconic magic dust on them and make them yeah. beautiful. And so it was really a co-writing gig and everyone is ever all of them are different but in the mm -hmm. case of 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 willow and a force i mean like i don't even know if she and i ever had a conversation maybe we hmm. exchanged one email 
basically she had to leave the project because of um, family stuff going on with her. Mm-hmm. So I sort of inherited it. And so she wrote the first issue all on her own. That's all Willow. Mm-hmm. And then I basically inherited her rough outline for the, for the next three issues. So it was one through four. And then yeah. I, I just took it from there. Like she, I mean, she wasn't involved at all because of, you know, she had her family stuff going on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's a, really interesting actually. Yeah. It's a totally different experience, you know, but she gets credited as a co-writer because it was her overall plot. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so that makes yeah, sense. Totally different experience. And then when I did uncanny later with um, Matt, Rosenberg and Ed Brisson, that was like three writers sort of on equal footing who are friends coming together to do this thing. And it was like a very equal footing throughout. So every one has been different. You know, every time I've done it, it's worked a little differently. Yeah, definitely. The uncanny run, I mean, working with Matthew Rosenberg, I love him on Twitter. He's great. Like, and uh, he did the most recent Hawkeye, I believe. Yes. And I really enjoyed that book. Like, yes. so. so much. <laughs> so that must have been a lot of fun working with the two of them. Oh, it's incredible. No, they're they're really my best friends in comics, and um, we were really excited when we got to work on this together. And I can't remember who I was talking to, but I was like, "Yeah, I'm so excited to get to do this book with my two best friends in comics," and they're like. Oh, I wonder if they'll be your best friends when you're done. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> but we came at it really well. I think we only had a couple little dust ups. We were we were pretty we were pretty good. Um we we get along really well. Awesome. So Josue, I know you probably want to ask a bit about A Force. Yeah. Uh well first of all, thank you. Um even the taking it over, like A Force is one of those magic gems that came out of Secret Wars. Yeah. And then post that, I was wondering where it was gonna go, or how are you gonna bring it back? Because like hell yeah like why haven't we had just an all-women's team and even an ongoing run after that so when you took over it's like fuck yeah i was so excited <laughs> and especially from the get-go of what you did from issue five and then on oh thank you thor dazzler are you fucking kidding me <laughs> that was amazing and then and then into leading into dazzler thor her picking it up just to save the day because wow, dazzler is my favorite uh mutant or tied mm-hmm. with cable but I think you have to give it to Dazzler. So <laughs> you giving her like a very prominent role, even all the way to the end, like her just being up in Captain Marvel's face. Like I needed that <laughs> from the character. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I was really lucky because I inherited Dazzler at, I know not everybody's a fan of like when she was in like a darker place, but yeah. from a narrative perspective, from a character perspective, that's way better and way easier. So yeah. I was delighted to get her, at a time when she was sort of going through change and I could really lean into that. Um, I thought Ben did an incredible design that wasn't as like dark and sort of harsh as what Brian and Chris had done mm-hmm. and so it softened her a little bit, but it still sort of modernized her. Like I feel like for a fashion icon, she's had like some of the worst costumes and looks like I, <laughs> if you're a big Dazzler fan, I know this, maybe I'm going to become your enemy right now, but like, I don't ever need to see Disco Dazzler again. Like, <laughs> I mean, you can see that in a flashback, or she could dress up like for Halloween or something, but like, no pop star, unless it's for like a bit, or like, oh yeah, I did a disco song, so now this is my look for this song. Like, no, no modern woman is going to run around in roller skates and a big disco ball necklace. What, what the hell is she <laughs> is well, she is disco incarnate. <laughs> she can be, but she can't be a parody of that. Like, you 
but yeah. that, that's why she embraces it. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, no. Thank you so much for like what how you treated the character. It was it was super awesome. Thank you. Um, another thing I wanted to ask since since you it's another character you kind of took over writing into it. Um, is there like some sort of archive at Marvel where they just like have a list of every spell that Nico has ever done so writers don't repeat them? <laughs> very interesting question. Because the answer is sort of. Okay. Uh, so what happened was they had a terrible document that someone very smartly was like, oh, crap, we better be keeping track of this. And then nobody stayed on top of it. So it was incredibly poorly fleshed out. And it was like, <laughs> I can't write like this. This is chaos. So I went to the internet, home of all the information, and I pieced together. Fortunately, there are crazy, wonderful fans out there, including some people who've done some things like every spell Nico's ever done or whatever. So between the Marvel document and the internet, I pieced together what I was pretty sure was the master document. I made my own beautiful new spreadsheet, and then I filled it in as I went along, and I handed it off to Marvel and to Rainbow when I lost Nico, which was a very sad day. So yeah. there does exist a document. I freaking made it, and I oh, don't yeah. know if anyone has kept it up. It <laughs> me. Think about it. That's awesome. We're, we're both really, really, really big Runaways fans. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking about them on our last issue, actually. Rainbow and is Rainbow's doing a great job. Oh, good. I don't want yeah. to have blasphemy, but I think Rainbow's Runaways is my favorite Runaways. Ooh, that's a hot yeah. take. Ooh, that's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> listen, um, I, love, I love the original stuff, and the original stuff has to get credit for, mm-hmm. you know, blazing that trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brian Kimon is obviously a genius. He can do whatever yeah, of he course. wants. Um, but I don't love the end of that first, that mm. first story. I'm not – I don't think they really – sold it it didn't work for me then when i reread it now i don't love it i'm softer on it as a writer i've softened i'm like ah, they, did, they did pretty good like because i know how hard it is now <laughs> not just yeah. you know me like boy they didn't do good on this <laughs> uh. so, um i i don't love the ending and even though the art is incredible i you know it's it's got some inconsistencies it's not i don't mm-hmm. know i like pound for pound, I would put what Rainbow and Chris and I'm completely blanking on the wonderful guy's name who took over, who's doing a wonderful job. Uh, oh. I, I would pound for pound put their run up against that original stuff. I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think it's the kind of stories I would love to see more of in mainstream comics, like not traditional superhero stuff, really character based, beautiful artwork, really expressive, funny, smart. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, yeah, and- I, especially that first volume Rainbow did was so good, getting them back together and everything. And uh, there's a lot of great things they're addressing in that book, uh, like the fact that Gert hasn't aged, <laughs> like, and that's yeah. a major problem. And I was like, that's a really great point. Like, I feel like Rainbow's yeah. the kind of writer who, when she encounters a problem she's inherited, she's really great about seeing that as an advantage instead of a disadvantage. Like here's this thing I've inherited and I hate it or we have to fix it or, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. I see that as a poten- as potential, you know, mm-hmm. um, she's, she's terrific. Nice. 
Yeah. Um, and so just my last few uh, um, things about A-Force. This has been a long conversation for <laughs> coming for me to just like unload all this. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was like, A-Force is just, it's honestly, I teared up when I closed out, when I closed, uh, turned the last page on issue 10, there's like, this isn't fair. Like, how is it that, how is it that Wolverine can have eight books <laughs> everywhere and then we can't, and we can't, and we can't have a team of like all the Marvel women it's it sucks because you brought like very real just conversations like even like i don't want to like shit on him too but some like at some point bendis's avengers got a little stale because everybody sounded the same but your a4 is like this everybody just everybody had their own unique voice like when uh, at some point when dazzler has an outburst because i think thor died and instead of just being like well she's she's kind of let's leave her alone medusa of everybody embraces her and it's just like god it was just so perfect so I hope A-Force can come back. Thank you. Um, I would love to see that. I think I think part of the trick is that when you're pitching that book, it's, it's sort of a catch-22 because they want it to just exist in an organic way. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, it just so happened that these are the people that came together. Rather right. Than it feeling like a, a deliberately gendered, purpose and i think they're right about that that you want it to come together in an organic way but i think at the same time when you're pitching a book the first things they ask you are why does this need to exist what's the story why is it important why is it different and if you're talking about something like a force part of why it's important is baked into that dna of letting it be a female team um I don't want to say I've been quietly trying to do little mini A-Force reboots in Captain Marvel, but (laughs) I mean, that whole first arc was all ladies after that first issue. And I was, I was, some of that was me sort of playing with the form of like, if I create, you know, I've got this misogynistic, uh, over-the-top villain that already exists here. He's not going to want to deal with men, so I'll just set up this device where he's forcing the issue so that we just have this female team. And, um, you know, I had a lot of fun with that. But, you know, though Captain Marvel has become very successful at the time when we were still at issue five, when that arc was coming to an end, because in my mind I was like, if we can get enough traction on this, maybe I could spin it out into another book and maybe mm-hmm. that would work. Maybe that would be a way to like backdoor a book like a force back in. And, <laughs> and though the Captain Marvel book has gone on to be very popular at that point, uh, looking at our numbers, I was like, Oh, nobody, like, I don't know how long they're going to let us go with this book, let alone backdoor a book in. So, you know, you're always sort of looking for that opportunity. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's tough though, especially with the market. And now, you know, that's saying things like, especially in this market, is so two months ago, like, we don't even know what it is now. So, yeah, yeah right. <sighs> so, and then my, my last thing, so we can transition over to your other book. <laughs> How much do you love Elsa Bloodstone? So, oh, my God. So much. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I just realized the other day that if they kick me off of Deadpool at some point, I'm going to have to find... Uh, a way to get Jeff and Elsa out of there because I don't trust them being left <laughs> whatever else <laughs> cool book. so I'm going to have to construct some kind of parachutes for them um, 
which is going to be tricky because I've buried them in that book in like a very like organic way. They fit in there, you know? So we'll yeah, see. definitely. So that will transition pretty nicely Josue, for me. Um, so anyone who listens to our podcast knows that probably my favorite comic book of all time is alias. Yes. And um, probably my favorite Marvel superhero might be Jessica Jones. I absolutely love her. Awesome. And she's absolutely wonderful. So we have to talk about Blindspot and Purple Daughter. Um, I, I loved Blindspot. Like, it's so great, especially, uh, like, the arc is great. I think you write Luke Cage really well, which is a surprisingly hard thing to do sometimes for people. Yeah. I don't I don't know why, uh, but yeah. But, and then the last the last storyline with, with her birthday party was just oh. one of my favorite issues in a long time. Oh, I love that. It's so funny and like like but there's also so much heart in it. Like but the like the Thor stuff, for instance, was just laugh out loud funny <laughs> to me. Thank you. But then but then it transitions really nicely into the Purple Daughter storyline, which I remember being a big deal at the time. And a lot of people being like, Oh no, and because you know, the show obviously led to a lot of new Jessica Jones fans. Yeah. And a hyper awareness of Kilgrave and everything, so they're kinda like, Oh no, you know, so uh the people the people I heard from who were more mad or worried were comic fans, not show fans, because show fans don't really have any connection to Danielle. They don't feel that strongly about it. That's true. Show I didn't fans, think about it like that. Show fans are a little more like, ugh, purple man again. And you're like, listen, <laughs> sometimes you gotta, you know, go back. It's, he's her big nemesis. It's, it's a place yeah. where, you know, and listen, I wouldn't have gone back there, especially after Brian had done such a great purple, purple man story i wouldn't have gone back unless i knew we had something really important to say about it and yeah so there we are no eventually captain america's got to fight the red skull again guys that's how it works exactly (laughs) so no i don't got a problem with that i just it was just kind of like i remember the first time uh because I didn't read the issue, I had gotten an uh, I read a news article that had spoiled it for me, okay. and it was just that picture of her, and I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, "Like, but like in a good way, in like a narrative way." I was like, "Where is this gonna go? Oh no!" Like, so uh, it was super compelling, and I'm like I said, I'm a big Jessica Jones fan, and that leads into the Elsa Bloodstone thing, Hosway brought up because she was so great in that book. <laughs> you know what? I had to fight really hard to get her in there. Because really? well, my editor Alana was like, I just don't see. She doesn't feel like a Jessica Jones type character, and I was like, Oh my yeah. god! I was like, That's why she has to be there. I was like, Because don't you want to know what it looks like in in Mattia's really cool, realistic neo noir style? Mm-hmm. So yes, we want to envelop that world and we want to make it really real. But Jessica Jones lives in a world of superheroes and crazy shit. And yeah, yeah. I want to see Doctor Strange and Jessica Jones. And I want to see <laughs> Bloodstone killing monsters and Jessica being like, can I please just get back to my PI lifestyle? Like, that's a great contrast. Yeah. Um, and great. I won. <laughs> or even it's then, or why, why not have finally that meeting of them to see if they like each other? And evidently, of course, they do because they would. Of course. <laughs> of course. Badass bitches who take no Exactly. Knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Like, I remember because I was the first one in our group to read it, mm-hmm. and I immediately went to our group chat and was like sending screenshots. I'm like, this, 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 <laughs> like all these interactions. I'm like, this is the best book ever. <laughs> like, I was just, I loved it. So, awesome. um, but yeah, that's one of the things that makes Jessica Jones great is the fact that she is a superhero who 
basically kind of doesn't want to be. Yeah. But everybody she knows is a superhero. So, like, it's just really complex for her, even going back to Alias, where, you know, she's Daredevil's bodyguard for a while. And, you know, she's Miss Marvel's or Captain Marvel's best friend. You know, like, it's just it's just her life. And I, I don't think she likes it, but, like, it's just great. Like, I love that contrast. So, and using a character like Elsa Bloodstone, who doesn't get a lot of love, was yeah, awesome. Yeah. So. Let's just be clear, though. Um, Captain Marvel is Jessica's best friend. Jessica is not Captain Marvel's best friend. <laughs> right, right. That's an amazing clarification. She's okay with it. She's come to terms with it. It's, uh, she's maybe, hard to be best friends with anyway. So Maybe Carol just confuses the both Jessicas. Because she, she is Drew's best friend. <laughs> so, so Josue hasn't read Alias. And I'm on him to read it. I'm but trying to make read, him read it. I did read your your uh, uh, blind spot, which was fantastic. Yeah. So basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're my introduction to Alias. <laughs> and I was trying to explain to him the interaction between Carol and Jessica and the whole Ant-Man thing where she sets him up. And I'm like, basically, she sets her up with Ant-Man because Ant-Man is almost good enough for Carol. <laughs> like, And I'm like, which is a really condescending thing for her to do, really, if you think about it. Like, I just loved that, so. Um, um, well, I am I hope I did Jessica proud for you when you get oh. Alias. Um, oh, absolutely. One of the great things about writing a book like Jessica Jones is that you can throw the superhero formula a little bit out the door. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just because there are a lot of other things happening that aren't just superheroes, like you can get away with, Oh, there's not a huge action component in this issue. We're doing this instead. And you know, things like that. I mean, you still need action, but you you can be a little more loose. The rules are a little lighter, I think. Um, And she treads in just like a slightly different, darker version of, of the world we usually see. And I just love that about it. Well, yeah. and at the end, it's also a detective story, and that's really what I was, I was so what sucked me in throughout the whole time because it, it was just yeah. so perfectly paced. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then, um, I, yeah, because you like you said, there's different stories to be told. There's not it's not just all superhero stories. Yeah. And as he said, detective fiction is one of my favorite things. And me too. I just actually interest, introduced him to the the Jamie Madrox mini oh yes right before x factor where he became a detective and i was like i would kill kill for a jessica jones madrox detective series oh that'd be awesome so but yeah so i love detective fiction so um but i do want to move on because there's so much i want to talk about with you and the next one is something else near and dear to my heart which is your run on hawkeye um kate bishop is so great Young Avengers was one of my like favorite team books for a long time, and I know Josue loves Young Avengers too. Of and, course. And obviously, you're this is coming off of arguably one of the most like acclaimed superhero runs ever, Fraction on Hawkeye. Yeah, what a dumb decision, right? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I I I love your book. It's great. Maybe it's because I'm a Cali boy, and <laughs> the very first thing is just her basically on the beach, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm already in. Yeah. But. I really enjoyed this and I just love Kate Bishop. And to be honest, we've kind of talked about in the past with the MCU, the movie universe and everything, the two biggest missed opportunities so far to me are Nova and Kate Bishop. Like, and I know Kate's coming in some form. We've kind of got confirmation of that, but, but yeah, I just love this character and I absolutely love that she got her own spinoff with this. This was really great. Yeah, it was, um, I loved getting a chance to sort of highlight her. I mean, I think, 
certainly I, I would be so excited to see Kate uh, on the big screen. She totally deserves it. That said, if I could pick her showing up in whatever the new Avengers of or the new iteration of Avengers or new Avengers or whatever it is we're going to be seeing on our movie screen someday. Mm-hmm. If I could pick between that and a TV show, I, I don't know. I think I might go with TV show just because especially mm-hmm. if you're dealing with Kate, either a Kate and Clint mm-hmm. partnership that it seems like we're probably going to get, or obviously um, I'm in the tank for a West coast Avengers type show. Like, of course. Sort of Parks and Rec meets superheroes. I, like to me, that. Oh. I mean, I want that show yesterday. You know, and <laughs> oh, totally. Sort of the perfect character for that. I mean, we had so much fun with that West Coast Avengers. It breaks my heart that we couldn't go longer. Um, to me, that was like my best first issue, where just everything was singing um, from from sort of page one. Like I felt that way about Hawkeye, but when I look back at Hawkeye, even though I love that first issue. Like I can still see we were still working out some of the kinks as far as like how much we were explaining and like how Leo wanted to lay out the story. Like Jordy was amazing because she's always amazing. But like I can still see like a little bit like if you brought us back to do it again, we do it a little bit differently. But when I look at West Coast Avengers, like there is there a panel I would change? Maybe not. Yeah, just I've, uh, I was a big fan of West Coast Avengers growing up. That was my other besides X-Men. That was my other big. Yeah. thing was the original run and i loved it and when you guys brought it back i was like yes again i'm a cali boy you know <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. those of us on the west coast a little sick of seeing new york and everything yeah. so okay. <laughs> i mean i grew up in the west coast as well so um when i pitched that kate book um you know we, there was like about a year between when i first pitched it and when we were getting to a point where oh maybe we're actually doing this and, you know, so things had changed. The Lemire book had come in between those mm-hmm. things. And um, so I, I said to Sana, I was like, you know, we can move this back to New York if that's what you guys want. There's no reason this can't work there. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, it makes it so distinctive to have its own identity, its own visual language. And so I was really glad we got to do that. We need more West Coast stories for sure. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I want to transition over to talk about one that you brought up earlier that I think is a really interesting one right now, um, which is the Rogan Gambit storyline uh, transition to Mister and Mrs. X, um, which is great. I, I loved this book, and as I said, I'm a big X Men nerd. So, um, talk to me about this because, like you said, you grew up. X Men was a big thing to you. Uh, what was it like working with this and being the one to tell this story specifically? Yeah. So um, the, the, actually the way that I got Rogan Gambit was because I sort of got fired off of cable, um, which Grissom <laughs> ended up doing. I mean, we joke around about firing. I mean, you know, sometimes you do get fired, I guess that hasn't really happened to me, but it was more like what I wanted to do. They liked, but it wasn't, they had a very specific idea of what they wanted the cable thing to be. And I sort of wasn't, easily fitting my round cog into that square hole or whatever the reverse is. I don't know. Mm. And, um, and so I sort of went another way and, but they were very nice. They were like, what do you like? You know, what would you like to be doing? And so I rattled off a few things. And at the top of the list was Rogan Gambit. And they were like, Oh, we're thinking about doing a mini for them. We'll put you on the list. And so when I got the call, I was obviously overjoyed 
And Darren was my editor for that, Darren Shan. And so mm-hmm. we started talking about it. And he's not super, he was new to the X office. He moved over there from the spider office. And so Spider-Man office, I guess I should clarify. They don't just have an office full of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, uh, you know, he wasn't, I was the expert at that point, right? Like, you know, he's there doing his editor thing, but when it came to who's read more Rogue and Gambit material, it was me. <laughs> and so he really sort of gave me a free hand. We were sort of talking about it and I was like, yeah, I think it should just be like a really fun, heisty adventure story, like, you know, big and bold and fun and lots of witty banter. And he's like, great, we're totally on the same page. And I was like, okay, let me go off and do a little bit more reading and pull the pitch together. And then, you know, we'll talk next week or whatever. So I went off and I like read slash reread tons, years and years worth of Rogan Gamut material and realized we couldn't do what we wanted to do because that's all anyone had been doing with them. And <laughs> with diminishing returns, because if you just keep doing that same story, it's like it works in the beginning and we love it because it's exciting and new. But if you keep running it out, it's like, okay, we've read this story before. So I came back to him with this super weird, esoteric rogue and gambit meets eternal sunshine on the spotless mind thing. (laughs) And he was like, what is this? What happened to my heist thing? And I was like, he's like, nobody wants to see people in counseling. I was like, first of all, wrong. We all want to see it. They need to be in counseling. Um, and he was like, so the good news is, I think it was a great example of an editor and a writer sort of meeting in the middle for the best possible, you know, he pulled me back from being all the way sort of esoteric and weird about it. And I was able to drag him into the, no, we really have to do something different, or this is going to be like every other Rogan Gambit story. Like we only got one chance to sort of recontextualize them for a new audience and, and bring those old fans back. And the way to do that is to try to address all this baggage and then push it behind them so that we can push forward. And I'm really proud of that book. Did every single thing go the way I wanted? No, it almost never does. But I think we, we set out with a really bold mission and we accomplished it. And Mr. and Mrs. X was sort of the proof of that. Yeah, definitely. One thing I really liked, um, we've talked about in the past, you can kind of see the success of a storyline if it becomes a full part of the canon and becomes yeah. embraced. And we're, we're really, really big fans of everything going on in the X-Men universe right now with Hickman over there. Um, and in Excalibur, this stuff's still coming up. It's very much the story that you told continued, which I'm really enjoying. Yeah, that's nice. Which with Teeny Towered, who is incredible as well. So. She's the terrific. I give her every, every shout out I can. <laughs> so. This is the best and most interesting mystique has been written in maybe ever. Yes. Um, her yelling, I want my wife back. I think it's the first time in years I've yelled out loud while reading something. I was like, yes! Yes! Where is this story? Oh, yeah, we we were gushing about that. <laughs> I, I feared her again. Like, God, just give it to her, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was, it's incredible. It, it's just that whole series. It's just been so weird. All, all six series, actually, have been just so weird and just creative and we, ugh, it's just so great. And so such a paradigm shift if you're an X-Men fan to adjust to this new reality. And it's just so great. Like, ugh, I yeah. love it. They've had really incredible quality people involved and the art. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pepe Larraz, is he, 
the greatest artists of his generation, maybe like just incredible stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, so it's been it's been really fun to watch. Um, you know, being one of the guys who had to go in before it and blow everything up. It's not my favorite thing to get to, <laughs> but hopefully we raised the ground properly so that helped, you know, salt the earth for the new things come, which was really exciting. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so uh, we're going to quickly go over the things that um, you're currently working on. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, are you still on Captain Marvel? At this I point? am. I am. Okay, good. I thought you were, but I was like, not 100% sure because we haven't had comics for two months. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, before all this stuff went down, we just got, thank God, to the end of The Last Avenger, which was Captain Marvel 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I am writing 20 and 22 right now. So there's basically um, issue 17 is a standalone fun story. It's like a game night story. Um, oh, cool. And I don't know when that will be out. I hope someday. And then uh, we've got a four-issue Empire tie-in, but it's very separate. I mean, listen, if you're a Captain Marvel fan, you should probably be reading Empire anyway because she's got a yeah. pretty big role in that. But ours is designed so that you don't have to read it to get the story that I think is, people are going to be really excited about. Um, and then after that, I can't say what we're doing, but I'm working on it. I think it's going to be really cool. So awesome. Yeah. We're really excited about empire. Um, big Marvel crossovers, man. They're just, it's hard not to get hyped about a big Marvel crossover. It really yeah. is like <laughs> Al and Dan and incredible art. Valeria, Valeria's art is incredible. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And again, going back to us being young Avengers fans. Hulkling. (laughs) Great to see Hulkling on a big stage. And I know there's some cool stuff coming in that regard that that's pretty exciting. So nice. And then you also mentioned that you are doing Deadpool, of course. Yes. Yes. We did our first four issues. Me and Chris Bacello came out before the break. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got five is with me and Gerardo Sandoval, and that's scheduled for sometime in June. I think it's the 10th maybe, but um, I'm not sure when six will be out, which is our X-Men issue where Deadpool breaks into Krakoa. Probably my favorite issue we've done yet. And then we've got got issues uh, seven, eight, and nine are tentatively called true love story. And it's, um, it's sort of intercuts between Deadpool and Elsa and Jeff off on a mission. And then also like what's going on back home with the monsters, like as everything falls apart, as Deadpool is gone. I think it's a really great story. Um, I don't know when we're going to see it, but I hope it'll get out there because it's pretty cool. I think it really adds some really nice layers. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that I'm doing with Deadpool, it's sort of very sad to me that we didn't get to have issue five come out before the break. It was literally the first week of comics that were canceled. Was I had like four books that were supposed to come out that week, including Black Widow. Which I'm about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but that issue five even though it's a standalone that you might think, oh yeah, it's just a little throwaway story. But I think you'll really see if you read that issue, the seeds for like where we're taking this and like why it's really important. And I really love that issue. Yeah. I, I, um, Deadpool to me, and this might be a controversial opinion to some people, (laughs) but I think Deadpool adaptations can be very hit or miss. Yeah. Um, and 
ironically, it seems to be that women write Deadpool the best, I think. <laughs> like, because well, we all know what the I, legendary Gail Simone run. <laughs> like, <laughs> so. um, yeah, no, I listen, I Deadpool that's just comedy or just violence doesn't work for me. Tends not to, yeah. those stories don't really, they don't really hit because the violence gets boring um, if, if it doesn't have something sort of funny and and thematic going with it. And comedy is unfortunately, and this includes mine is salt to taste. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if if it, if it's not funny to you, like it gets old really quick. So for me, it was like, it can't just be funny because that leaves a lot of people out who don't subscribe to my very specific sense of humor. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even though I think I'm doing a pretty on Deadpool version of it. And I was like, it can't just be violent because it's going to get boring. So what are we trying to say? And that was sort of how we came up with all the King of the Monster stuff is that, like, let's delve into it. You know, monsters are great for metaphor because they're a big literal thing that you can punch. And they're also a metaphor for all sorts of other things. And for someone like Deadpool, who walks the line of that his whole life, it's like, is he a monster? Does it matter if he's a monster? What makes a monster? Like, who who defines these things, you know? Yeah. Definitely. I, I got to be interested in the thematic stuff. There's got to be more layers, you know, for me to get involved. Yeah. Some depth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was really lucky that, that Jake Thomas is my editor on Deadpool and, and Nick Lowe as well has been doing some of the early stuff, especially, and uh, they were really behind me and they really helped support me get it there. So it was great. Nice. And then you mentioned working with, uh, okay, you just revealed something to me that I've been saying his name wrong my entire life. Uh, is it Chris? How do you say Chris's last name now? I'm, Bacello. I'm pretty sure it's Bacello. I've always said Bacalo. Oh, I, no. I have, <laughs> I have as well. I have as well. And then at the summit, people were saying his name. And I was like, holy shit. So right. <laughs> so the interesting thing is, again, being a big X-Men fan, he's he's like almost X-Men royalty as far as like working on X-Men goes. So that must've been a fun experience. It was amazing. Especially because when I was coming up with the road with loving rogue and her being my favorite character as a teenager, like mm-hmm. did anybody draw a better rogue than Chris Pagello? Like, no, right. It was amazing. And so it was a dream come true to get to work with him on this. And, you know, one of the great things about Chris is that he's such a sort of genius that, Remember I was talking before about the formula for superhero comics and how it's great that Jessica Jones, you can break out of that a little bit. Well, another way to break out of that is to work with Chris because (laughs) Chris follows the script. Yes. (laughs) I mean, he, he just has his own way of bringing himself to the story and it's beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. It ended up being a lot more work for me, (laughs) but I appreciated that the first four issues of that Deadpool feel really different than my other work in an interesting way. Um, for some people, they'll like it less for some people, they'll like it more, but it definitely like broke me out of sort of what I was used to, you know, and that's really valuable, especially because it's easy to get stagnant. You know, that was a thing I was definitely complaining in one of my slacks with, with, I think it was Matt and Ed about like how many, on my lettering pass, I got Chris's art and I basically had to rewrite huge chunks of it on the fly. And I was sort of complaining about it. And then as soon as I stopped complaining about it, I was like, I sort of love that it's pushing me out of my comfort zone and like making me think about it. You know, it's making me think about these things in a different way. And I, so it was really invaluable in that way. 
that's probably okay. why he holds some of my also favorite Spider-Man uh, st- uh, stories. Oh, and he's such he, he's probably added that element. He's such a great Spider-Man artist too. Um, yeah. One of my favorites of his Spider-Man ones was, I have no idea what numbers they are, but when it was like Wolverine and Emma and Storm and Spider-Man and they were in the sewer for part of it. God, it's just, it's so coolly drawn. I, I just love how it looks. Uh, yeah. I do not remember what the storyline was or what numbers they were, but yeah, I'm trying to recall my, too. That was some of my favorite more recent stuff. I mean, it's not super recent, but five or six years or something. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then that leads me to, of course, your uh, book that, man, just the timing of this, right? Uh, Black Widow. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, I was very excited for this book, and I still am. Don't get me wrong. Uh, especially with the movie coming up, like, you know, companies tend to launch a new series when a movie is coming out. Yeah. And that's a massive vote of approval from Marvel that I think is awesome to see that they're like, Hey, this is a movie and you know, the comic is going to be tied to it. And you're, you know, they let you have that. And I think that's awesome. And I'm really excited about it. Cause I think black widow, there's so much you can do with black widow. <laughs> yeah, I'm i uh, I'm ready to take her in a really new direction. Um, I think the funny thing about the quarantine is that, you know, a lot of books are on pause or they're in jeopardy or there's this new schedule or whatever. And Blackwood is sort of easier than all of that because when they moved the movie, we knew that meant we were moving the book. And so that sort of takes a bit of the pressure off of like, I know the fans want it now, but I feel like the fans are like, oh, it was supposed to go with the movie. Now we don't get the movie to the fall. So they just sort of get it. Unlike a lot of other books that are, moving around because they're just trying to put these puzzle pieces back together. Right. Right. Um, so it's painful to wait on it though, especially because it's a really hard series to talk about without spoiling it. I mean, when I talk about the first issue, I've been talking about like the first issue is really, I think well, uh, the first half of the issue is sort of what you expect in a black widow comic book. Um, Mm -hmm. I hope it's good, even though it feels like a typical Black Widow sort of mission or whatever. But then the other half of it just, it takes like a hard left into something else. And the rest of the series is the exploration of that. And I'm really excited about it. And I'm nervous about it too, because it's risky. But um, I can't wait for people to see it. And I just wish it wasn't so hard to talk about it now, because we've got four or five months to go. <laughs> um, but Elena Casagrande is doing absolutely incredible work. She turned in some stuff on issue two where I was like, I mean, do I just delete all the dialogue on this page? Like none of it's <laughs> oh. powerful as what she drew. Like, why would I even try to fight it? You know? Uh, yeah. And Jordi Belair is um, one of those prestigious colorists who, doesn't just color something in, you know? And I, I say that with great respect because I've worked with a lot of great colorists and they all mm-hmm. bring sort of different things to the table. But Jordy just knows how to play with like theme and ideas and, you know, like she's color blocking certain things in the book and she's just sort of operating on like a, like she's up there playing 3D chess, right? And the rest of us are like, <laughs> we're on checkers still i don't know so uh she's really bringing a lot to the book and i'm really glad we got her on the project and i hope we don't lose her in all this chaos 
you never know. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward. I mean, uh, we on our show we we're reviewing a bunch of older books, trying to you know keep going, waiting for new books to come in. But oh, I'm very excited uh, if Diamond does start redistributing again soon. Hopefully, we'll get some books and we can uh, hopefully get Black Widow and get that checked out because I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Um. All right. So so that's everything I want to go over. Hosway, did you have any questions you want to follow up? Um. Questions? No, I think I was able to get all my A4 stuff out. <laughs> so again, thank you so much. I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. Please. Maybe that's my parachute out of Deadpool. Elsa and Jeff can become a new. Should they be Jeff Force though? I mean, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'll keep trying. And listen, other people are trying too. I feel like um, the Captain America brought back the Lady Liberators in a great way. Like, so mm-hmm. there's clearly interest in people doing these things. Or there was even that, that that great shot in Endgame where it just shows all of the female like uh, heroes. So it's kind of like that was like my A four shot. Yeah. So I was hoping I was like, oh, maybe they'll put on the comics because I tended to do that after the movies. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I loved that moment, and I know there was some some uh, bad opinion having uh, fanboys. I'll just say fanboys <laughs> that were like, oh, it's so forced. I'm like, it's. A, you know, a god from space and super soldier from World War II. <laughs> Suspend your disbelief for a moment and let us enjoy this. Like, <laughs> and every other glory shot has mostly been all men. Why can't there be a female one? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's um, um, in my Captain Marvel issue that I don't know when it's going to come out. That's the game night. It, mm-hmm. um, so it, it's literally game night. Like they're playing poker when Kamala shows up and then it's like, well, I can't play poker. So they do something else. But so it, <laughs> it's, uh, it's Carol and it's hazmat and it's spider woman and it's Monica Rambeau and Kamala uh, and Wolverine. And of course <laughs> she was like, maybe we should really try hard to get Ben Grimm in here. Um, and I was like, but I love that Wolverine is the token dude because how many comics have I read where it's like an all dude cast and then like the token woman like been born burned into my brain since like G.I. Joe cartoon days, right? Like only Scarlet or Lady J could be present at any given time. Like if we had two of them in the room at the same time, everything would explode. So I was like, please let him just be on his own. I find it sort of secretly hilarious, you know? And it's it's even funnier that it's Wolverine, yeah. Because Wolverine's in everything. That's like the joke. Yeah. And I remember when the Hickman run of books, uh, for uh, like all the six series came out, and they started announcing them. We didn't know that the core line X Men the roster was going to rotate. Yeah. So we were like, "Is this literally a group that's the Summers family and Wolverine?" <laughs> and we're just like, <laughs> so ridiculous, like. So yeah, that that's that's hilarious to me. So I'm and then I, I'm the best at what I do, and what I do is make books sell numbers. That's true. <laughs> and then I, I also wanted to quickly point out for our listeners, um, if you're keeping track, uh, this is yet another person that we've interviewed that works with, works with car- uh, colorist Tamara Bonvillian, who Ooh. is a fa- fan favorite of ours. Let me tell you, we love her. Well, she's done. She's done. Every issue except for 17 of Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. um, really incredible. Although I have to say, I just saw the, the PDF just came through on issue 19, which is part of our Empire arc. That might mm-hmm. be the best 
issue she's colored yet. It's just really incredible. There's this new character in there too, and she just she just really brought her to life. It's great. Yeah, we we absolutely love her. We talk about her all the time. So, because <laughs> colorists don't get enough credit, and she, we're 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 gonna highlight her. So. She and Jordy and I have to say one of my other favorites is Triona Farrell. She did West mm-hmm. Coast Avengers and she brought like the pinkest little rosiest cheeks to Kate Bishop. I loved it. It was, I was just in love with how cute it was. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking time with us. I know we uh, took quite a bit of your time, but uh, I just had such a great time talking with you. Um, fellow Marvel and X-Men nerd, you know, it's just great to kind of get it all out. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, so everybody make sure once we get comics again, whenever everything is safe and we're able to make sure to pick up these books, uh, Deadpool, Captain Marvel and the upcoming black widow, check them out. Um, and uh, do uh, what is your Twitter handle so that people can follow you for any other updates? Twitter is at 79 semifinalists. Nice. All right. Thank you so much for joining us here on Geek Network special interview. As always, I'm Keith, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, guys. Thanks. This has been a Geek Network production.